Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jesus. Every healing and every process of healing that started, like, I think I didn't pray for any person that didn't at least start the process of healing. And when I leave, the devil will probably attack you and try to convince you that it didn't work and you might feel some pain, the same that already left you. And you need to know it's only a deception. So this is good news. It's only a symptom. It's not a real sickness. So what you do is just take authority, say in the name of Jesus, goodbye. I don't need it anymore. I will never be sick again. Amen. And then you, of course, grow in the Word of God, worship Jesus. Align your life with God's will. This is very important. Amen? Amen. Jesus healed the woman, said, go and sin no more. Okay, the other guy, he said, go, don't do this, otherwise something worse can happen to you. So, God loves you so much that whatever you do, he will never love you more because he already loves you 100%. You cannot, he cannot love you more. He loves you totally. Whatever you do wrong, he, he will still love you 100%. But the problem is you open the doors for the devil when you do wrong. That's the only problem. So you're doing yourself a favor when you walk in his will. Amen? And the only way to walk in his will is... To walk in his power, in his anointing, in his word, be in the church, worship God here at least every Sunday. Amen? This is very important. And what I want to talk to right now is how to live a 10-10 life. This is the life in abundance. Many people don't know in a church, which is very sad, when if I ask you what is your goal in life what is your purpose in life what is your statement you know many companies have statements this is who we are you know like Škoda clever cars which is total lie but (laughs) (coughs) but they have you know Škoda means a pity in my language that's why I cannot drive Škoda but but you know, like, do you have a statement in your life? Do you know what, who are you? You really need to know who are you, okay? So when, I, when we go very quickly through these slides, which I normally take three months, <laughs> we will take in 30 minutes because it's the end times, the time is running short. <laughs> Look at this. John 10.10. 10. I love it, 10.10. 10. John, chapter John, 10, 10, 10, 10 life. I come that you might have life, that you might have life, and have it more abundantly. In Greek, it means above every measure, superior life. So this life is totally opposite of average life, not even mentioning bad life. This is superior life, abundant life. And the gospel never meant to encourage you 
in some rules and obligations and rituals that you need to observe so you can be saved and go to heaven at the end of your life. Ten years ago, I got a book, a treasure in my church, gave me a book, How to Think Like a Billionaire, from Donald Trump. And I was pleasantly surprised that at the beginning of the book, he said, I leave every decision with awareness that at the end of life, I will step in the elevator, and I will go either down or up. Like this, man, the guy's thinking about eternity in the judgment of God. But actually, you know, this is not the life to the full. The life to the full is much more than going up or down. Amen? Is you need to live your full life now. Yes. I like our brother here. I can't believe he's 83. <laughs> he looks more like 63. But, <laughs> but uh, at the age of 70, he started to learn a guitar. Can you imagine? Man, I thought it. I'm told to start learning anything. But <laughs> at the age of 70, just so he has a tool to reach more people. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so 10-10 life. You need a tent in life. Let's go to the next slide. And if you have passion, you have passion for God. You're like excited about Jesus. Amen. You worship with the best of us. But you don't know your purpose so good. Your purpose is on two, on a scale of zero to ten. And on a scale of zero to ten, your passion is eight. All the red things you will not fulfill. You, so... You know, the biggest treasure is on the graves. You heard this probably. The biggest treasure in the whole world is in the graves. It's all the things people take to, to grave with them. Yeah. Instead of leave them out to the full. Yeah. So these are all the books you never wrote, all the people you never reached, all the people never got saved and healed and delivered. Wow. Because you didn't live to the full. Mm. You're excited, but you didn't know what your call is. Amen? Yeah. Because in book of Ephesians... Chapter 4, it says, some are called to be apostles, prophets, teachers. Some. So it means most are not. So if everybody wants to be a pastor in this church, it will be a big problem. (laughs) And a lot to be read. A lot. Because you might be called to to be a billionaire. Amen. For Jesus. Amen. For Jesus. Amen. That's awesome. Okay, let's go on. So, and the same is if you know your purpose, but you don't have any passion. It's like, forget it. You can be so smart, but it will never happen. Let me read you one verse about this to just get excited. Second Kings 13, 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, this is the prophet talking to a king just before he will die. This is the last prophecy the prophet has for the king. It says, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God. So he only came to the passion to number three. Out of zero ten, he went to three in his passion, this king. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. And you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. So you will only go as far as your passion goes. You cannot forget, if you don't have passion, you're not going to survive. Okay, let's go on. So you need to know who you are and you need to have passion about it. Okay, let's go on. We need more passion on the computer. (laughs) Okay, now we went two slides. That's good. That's good. Okay, can you go one back? Okay, go, go, go two, four. I'm sorry. Okay, doesn't matter. 
Okay, so, okay, let's leave it here. Okay, this is the, now the full verse. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. And then it says, I, but I came, there's Jesus talking to us, but I came, the two may have life and the two may have it more abundantly. Amen? So, who is the thief? Do you know? Be very careful. <laughs> the thief is the false teacher in this parable. He's like a false shepherd. He's teaching you wrong things. And like, of course, the devil is using him. Because the devil is behind every sin, every sickness, every false teacher, every deception. The devil is behind it, absolutely. But actually, he's the false teacher. You had a lot of false teachers in your life. You know, my biology teacher told me that my aunt was a gorilla, my uncle was a chimpanzee. He's a false teacher. And then I had no purpose in life. And at the age of 20, I wanted to commit a suicide. Because I thought, this is going nowhere. Like, why would I be a good person and work? And why? I mean, have a dog, a wife, and two kids. What's the... Amen. There's no reason. If there is no God, there is no purpose. We don't need to be good people if there is no God. Amen? If there is no judgment, I don't need to be good. Amen? If there is no speed cameras, I'm going to speed. So I'm going to drive as fast as I can. Amen? If there is no God, I don't care if I kill somebody on the way. Because I just end up their misery sooner than later. Amen? But there is God. Amen? So the thief steals and kills and tells you it doesn't matter. Nothing makes meaning. Whatever you do, it's not going to help. You know. And my brother here, I was talking to him, you know. I was so excited what he's doing. He said, you know, but your stories, you know, they're so big. You know, mine can't compare to yours. And, you know, this is total lie. This is not true. Because if you give a glass of cold water to someone because he's... The disciple of Christ, you'll get your reward. Yes. Everything you did in Jesus' name, you will be rewarded. Yes. Amen? It doesn't matter how big or how small. Only thing that matters is you're obedient to the call of God. Amen? That's all. That, that's why in heaven there will be many surprises. Yeah. Many. People who are yeah. big apostles might get like peanuts for reward. <laughs> and people who nobody noticed might get huge rewards. Yeah. We're like, what happened? Yeah. So let's look what happened. Let's see. The first obstacle is the devil will attack you. When you have a purpose and you have a passion, you will meet the enemy. If you don't meet the enemy, probably you're running in the same direction. So because you're not, you will meet him. And he will do everything to stop you. And this will be, it will start, it will start to make a better believer out of you. Every obstacle will make you stronger. Amen. It's it start to create who you are actually on the inside. Devil will only reveal what's inside of you. Whatever he attacks will show what power you have. Amen. You don't know what weapon you have if you don't have any opposition, right? But when you strike the enemy, you see, wow, I have power. I I, pra- I start to practice this on my grandmother because because you know we are so strong communists. And I didn't tell anybody I received Jesus for like a month. And then my parents locked me in the kitchen and said, now you need to tell us what happened with you. Because you're cleaning the house, you're staying home, you're not getting drunk, you're like sober. What? I mean, you're, you're hugging us, you're loving everybody. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, I, I, and I said, you know, I met Jesus. <laughs> and then, wow, their jaw dropped to their knee. And my father pulled all his strings to get me the best psychiatrist in Slovenia. <clears throat> And then finally, I managed strength to visit my grandmother, finally, because I was her favorite grandson. And I, 
she was always so nice. And I thought, man, I need to share the gospel. It's not fair that I know Jesus and nobody else in my family knows Jesus. So I ring on the door. I was praying so hard and begging God to touch her. I ring on the door. She opens the door. She starts screaming at me like the devil. What is the matter with you? Are you crazy fool? Bible is fairy tale. Are you nuts? She's like screaming. I never saw her raise her voice in my whole life. And I'm looking, what's this? So I'm approaching the kitchen, going around her, you know, <laughs> going to the house. And she keeps following me and yelling at me, yelling at me. Finally, I said, man, this is a good opportunity. So I said, shut up, devil. And she just falls down on the, on the basket where was wood, you know, in the kitchen for her stove. So she just falls and lands there. And I'm like, what a power. What a power. I didn't even touch her. I just said, shut up, devil. And just, boom, she falls down. Like, wow. Amen. If the devil doesn't attack you, you will never know what you have. Yeah. Never. Hallelujah. So use it, hallelujah. Use the devil. Use the devil, hallelujah. Let him be a fool, not you. Amen? <laughs> Whatever he brings against you, say, thank you, devil, you came. Now we're going to see what's happening here. Amen? I can test my weapons. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, when I wa- start to walk in healing then, I start to see people get up from wheelchairs, saw the power of God. I was so excited. But the problem was, like, Every time I woke up, I woke up in presence of God, and there was not so much battle, and I want to fight the devil more. So sometimes I pretended that I have a headache just to draw the devil into my room to attack him. <laughs> but don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> so, you know, 30 years of study at Fuller University revealed that only 20% of people who dedicate their life to serve God. So they go to seminaries, they, they go to Bible schools, they're like, they live profession in the world, just they can serve God. But only 20% of them really enter into the call of God. 80% never find their meaning in life. It's amazing. Why is this? Why did you say, many are called, few are chosen? Why? Because God's will is that everybody walks 10-10 life. Believe me, God's will is not that you walk like what we saw, all this red. God's will is 10-10. Amen? He wants abundant life for you. This is, Jesus said it. He paid it with his blood. He rose from the grave. He defeated the devil for you. He did everything he could so you can walk 10-10. Why is it then that so many... 80, how can we be the 20% that do walk? How can we do it? Let's read in 1 Timothy 1.18. I command to you this commandment, my child Timothy, Paul's talking to his spiritual son. According to the prophecies that are in you, fight a good fight of faith and keep the faith and good conscience, which many dropped away and shipwrecked in their faith. So what happens is, like you're not, wow, this is very fast. What happens is, I won't need to translate my Slovenian version. Okay. So what happens is when the devil comes, when you go crazy, you start to cry, you get angry, you don't go. What happens is you don't keep your faith. That's why you need faith and patience to inherit the promises. And many times people think that because they have Jesus and God touched them, they're anointed, that now life will be easier, which is 
you know, nonsense. You know, life is only easier when you get stronger, and you don't get stronger without warfare. So it's like, and whatever you achieved, more will be demanded from you. And then the, that's why the only solution is life with Jesus, totally depending on Holy Spirit. Amen. Never look on yourself. Amen. Always be more filled with God. So let's see here, like it says, conscience. So conscience is a small voice inside of you that, that will never let you live a wrong lifestyle. It, this is where Holy Spirit talks to your conscience that you are a child of God. It, it witnesses to your spirit, talks to your conscience. And if you constantly negate what he's talking in your conscience, you will not live 10-10, but you can shipwreck. And then you will be satisfied just to go to heaven. And you will come to church, you will worship, but you will know in your conscience that you are like a hypocrite. You know, you don't live a right life, and you will never be happy. You can buy a new Range Rover, have a, a nice cottage with hay walls, good insulation, a wife that looks like a really nice woman. <laughs> <coughs> but it's like all nonsense. <laughs> it will all burn. The end, it will all burn. You will get saved if you believe in Jesus. If you don't deny Jesus, you will still get saved. But you will get zero rewards. And you will enter heaven without any rewards. And then you will look at heaven and say, wow, man, look at this guy. So many rewards. And he had Range Rover and a nice wife and a cottage. <laughs> now I know who I was talking about. <laughs> So people fall in the test of integrity. You know, integrity is who you are when nobody sees you. In church, you can all be holy. I had so many thieves in church. They were great worshipers. My accountant was a thief. It was like, wow, you know, what a great man of God, I thought. But he was a thief. Hallelujah. He could worship, but when nobody saw him, he was a thief. You are who you are when nobody sees you. That's who you are. You know, Moses had three million people with a promise to enter into the promised land. Three million people, can you imagine? You know how many entered? How many percentage? Only two people out of three million, you can calculate percentage. Only two people out of three million entered into the promised land. Very low percentage, why? They always tempted God by limiting him with their unbelief. So that was crazy. And then comes one of these two guys, was Joshua. And Joshua, you know what percentage he brought to the promised land? With Joshua, only one person didn't enter. It's amazing. A new generation. Tell your neighbor, you are Joshua generation. Amen. Hallelujah. We're a generation that Apostle Peter prophesied. It, it came that the prophecy of Prophet Joel is fulfilled. My spirit is, has come on all flesh. All. And, and the power of God came, you hear miracles, power of God, everything. This is for all flesh. So all people, it means, for everybody. Amen? Is this amazing? God wants everybody in the promised land. Okay, so let's, let's move to the next slide. Yeah, so that's a process. Normally you will have at least five processes in your life if you ever want to enter 10-10 life. You know, look at life of Joseph. You know, he's got a dream. He's excited. 
he tells everybody his dream. He thinks, now I'm a chief, I'm on the mountaintop. And what they do, they sell him as a slave, beat him up, you know, they try to kill him. And, and it's the first process. The family disowns you. The family thinks you need psychiatrist, you're like crazy person, whatever. See, that's many processes you go through, but you will go at least through five big processes to achieve 10, 10 life. So if you, if you want to be one of the percentages that live life to the full, you need to accept process is events of contradictions against you. So it doesn't matter who is it, the devil or what's happening. It doesn't matter because they will come. They will come for sure. Contradictions must come. And why? To train you. Yeah. To train you. So, you can, so that's why most people statistically don't reach 10, 10 life until they're 50 years old. Because it takes time to go through all the process. Young people, don't worry. You can enjoy life in between the processes. <laughs> don't, you know, it doesn't mean 24 hours you're in the process. But when it comes, be prepared. Amen? Yeah. Enjoy life. Have fun. Go surf. You know, don't swim in this water. It's too cold. But yeah. enjoy life as much as you can until you get to the process. And always stick with Jesus so you build your faith. You know, if, if you study healing scriptures when you're already sick, it's a problem. Because... You might die, you know, if you don't get a quick miracle through some evangelist or something. Yeah. But if you study healing scripture when you're well, hallelujah, you will never get sick. Yeah. Amen. I like this much more. Yeah. Amen. Prevention is better than cure. So yeah. always be prepared before. Always. Yeah. Don't, don't sleep. Pray without ceasing. Be filled with Holy Spirit. Amen. Why? So you'll be prepared when the hour comes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So, you know. Uh, I was 20 years old. On 5th of July, 92, Holy Spirit comes, and the power of God descends on me. And Jesus says, I'm alive. Where are you, Clement? And I'm like, wow, so Jesus is God. Wow, I was looking for him. Now I don't need to commit a suicide. I found God. Wow, thank you, Lord. And, you know, I drop down. I repent for my sins. I say, Jesus, please come into my heart. And, you know, he came, when Jesus came into my heart, I fell down. It was like such a power of God. And then I smoke a joint, he comes, you don't need this anymore, green demon leaves me, I start to pray in tongues. And then three months later, he calls me to a mission field. So I became a missionary three months. Amazing. And my pastor said, no, you need to be in church two months before you can go. And I said, no, God told me to go. I said, please, ask God. So every church service said, did you ask God? He said, not yet, not yet. So when it was time for me to go, I said, look, I'm here, my mother is waiting in the car. I already bought a train ticket for Croatia, can you send me now? He said, okay, I will send the fax that you're coming. So, uh, because if he didn't approve, they wouldn't receive me there. So, it's amazing. And then I was thinking, God, why did you call me? Why me? Because, you know, I, I only got two school friends saved. You know, when people saw me in the street, I evangelized three days and nights, you know, nonstop. And all, all people I knew I had to tell about Jesus. And then... You know, what started to happen is when people saw him come on the street, they switched and went the other side of the street. <laughs> so I said, man, this is not working. You know, Lord, why didn't you call Axel Rose? Because I was listening to Guns and Roses at the time. <laughs> and I said, you should have called Axel Rose. The whole stadium would listen to the gospel. They, all, they already paid the price, so they have to listen. You know, they'll be <laughs> a waste of their money now to live. And why didn't you call Axel Rose, you know? Because I didn't do anything. Literally, I didn't deserve anything. You know. Even, you know, I want to stop smoking. And smoking is a terrible thing. It's like, 
I wish I could smoke like one cigarette when I want, but it's not. If I smoke one, I'm hooked. I can, I'm gone for at least six months. <laughs> so that's why I don't smoke. But when the first time God set me free, you know, I thought, man, you know, I want to really be free. I don't want nicotine. I don't want any bondage. I really want this freedom of Christ. And I was already filled with the Holy Spirit. And I came to a prayer line and said, please pray for me, you know. I, I threw cigarettes away. I threw my lighter away. Then in the morning, I just buy another one. It's a waste of my money. <laughs> you know, please pray for me. I, wanna, I don't want to smoke anymore, you know. But I also want to throw cigarettes and then buy new ones. And then, <clears throat> so they prayed for me, and I didn't feel anything. So I said, ah, didn't work. And then I went to the bar, and I put my cigarettes on the table, prepared to smoke them. When with the corner of my eye, I see a really beautiful girl. When she puts a cigarette in her mouth and lights it, I felt sick. I thought, so disgusted. How can you smoke? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, man, I used to smoke. And I didn't understand cigarettes. I didn't understand. I, took them, I looked at them. I said, why would I ever smoke this? I was like, this is so stupid. You know, this is like poison. Why would I ever smoke this? And I didn't understand that I ever could smoke. It was like so different, man. I felt like an alien. And then, <laughs> so, you know, I said, God, why didn't you do this to Axel Rose? You know, he's got audience. I don't have any audience, you know, except psychiatrists. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, may, you met the wrong person. And then I understood it's a process. It's a process. You know, Bob Dylan got saved in the 70s. You know that. He wrote an album, Born Again. It's a fantastic album. I love it. It's full of the word of God and all anointing. But then he went back into the world because he didn't go through the process. He went immediately to the ministry, not through the process. And thank God, his mercy brought him back in 2000 or something. So, but he could achieve much, much more. So God, don't, you know, why God called you? is exactly because he wants to take you through the process, yeah. and through this process, he will be glorified. Mm -hmm. Not Axel Rose, yeah. Not, yeah. not rock and roll, nothing else, but Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Yeah. So if you think you're nobody, if you think you're like the least qualified, that really qualifies you. You know, look at Gideon. God comes to him. Said, oh, you mighty man of valor. And he was like the most miserable guy. He was, his family was the poorest, no reputation, nothing. God comes to him, he's looking around, man, God, you missed the address. There's some guys next street, next door. They're really good guys. No, no, it's you, it's you, you are. Now, now go in this power. It's amazing. All God needs is somebody who's stupid enough to believe him. Yeah. <laughs> Who will be like a child? Amen. Yeah. Like a child. Okay, let's quickly. Now, now um, let's go to the next slide. If you have a pen, we have 2 minutes 47 seconds. If you have a pen or a phone, please write down. Write down something. I want, you, I want Holy Spirit to talk to you what your call in life is. And how you know it is, please write down, what are your passions? Like, and here is the question, when I'm alive to be, I'm alive to do, I'm alive to have, you know. What, what are you most alive at what you do? That's how you know. And don't write your values now. 
Okay? Mm-hmm. We'll ask the Lord. But don't write your goals. Don't here you need to to really understand who you are. You need to understand how God wired you and what your passion is. Look at Psalm thirty seven four. Rejoice in the Lord and He will give the desires into your heart. Mm-hmm. So there's like five basic strengths with which you are created that that you are wired. And if you have kids, you know that not two kids are alike. Even if they're twins, they're totally opposite. And so you have strengths inside of you, passions inside of you. And so that's why, like, in my church, I'm the only one like me. The other preachers and teachers in my church are totally different. So... And I'm not trying to make them how I am. I'm trying to teach them to be 100% alive in how God wired them. Mm. Amen. You need to realize God wired you like. Yeah. You, there are strengths inside of you. I really enjoyed the worship band. Did you enjoy the worship band? Yeah. But I also enjoyed such a great variety in this band. You have a worship leader who's really excited about this. And then you have a girl on guitar with a crossed leg like this. <laughs> I never saw this in my life. <laughs> and I was, I felt like, this is great. I love it. I love this. Hallelujah. Amen? Because your flesh can pray, pray like everybody else. But if, you know, if you feel in the spirit, be relaxed. You know, you're, you know I'm in a living room with God. You know. <laughs> you know, like, it's only me and Jesus. You know, let people go crazy. But no, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the cloud in seven glory, you know, like... You know, I play harp on the clouds. It's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So what is your passion? What are characteristic strengths of your life? So think about it. Don't write what your mother told you it's good to do. Don't write what you read in the Bible it's good to do. But what would be your in moment when you feel so alive when you're doing it? You know, when, when one thing is also to think about what do people ask you most of the time? What they need you for? What, this will also show you your strength. So what is your biggest passion? Think about that. God will open your heart. Ephesians 1.8, Paul prays, God open the eyes of their understanding, eyes of their heart, that they will know the hope of their calling. In Habakkuk 2, it says, write the vision, write it down. If something happens, I do this with my leaders every six months because it changes. You grow, you, you understand more. It's like God reveals more to you. So, but like what, write at least five or ten things. It's good to write them, but if you can't, just maybe write one, two, three, you know. Like I'm a, I'm a great influential politician. People in Aberdeen listen to me when I come. So, you know, it's God's calls are ever, only some are called to be preachers. But a lot of people, and this church will grow. God showed me, like, they're going streams out of this church into the society. So we grow not by trying to get the whole Aberdeen into this building, but when we go into all Aberdeen. Amen? And then this, what we have passion for, we go for it. Amen? And what happens is you have a church in your workplace, and you don't even know you have a church there. But God is moving through you. People are excited. Wow, you share the gospel. Because you're so alive, you will attract people. Because most people are dead. Even if they're rich, they don't have purpose without Christ. Because without, who has life, who has Christ, has life. Who doesn't have Christ, doesn't have life. So, so the problem with Christians sometimes is that we bury our passions 
under the disguise of values. And then, and then we never come alive. We think, oh, this is like, I shouldn't be in a fashion industry. There's so much sin there. I need to be a worship leader. Forget it. Be in a fashion industry. Be an artist. Be whatever God called you. You will never be happy as anything else than what God made you. Amen? You will never live tent in life. A lot of your gifts will go with you to the grave. And my prayer is that nobody, that we all die empty. That we did everything God called us. Amen? So your passions, don't confuse them with your goals. Just what is really, try to find out what God wired you. What is your passion? You can close your eyes, imagine yourself. You know, you need to dream a little. You know, before, before the, you come in your convergence, in your high call, there will be process. But before the process is a dream. You need a dream. Joseph had a dream. That's where you start. You have a dream. Revive your dream. Get back to your dream. What are you made for? If you're not, not happy in your heart with, with what you're doing, that's not, you're doing something wrong. You're not living your dream. You're not in your passion. So I'm very happy with what I'm doing, for example. Very happy. And then... When I have really tough times, people are against me, things go wrong. My elder chair steals my church building, runs to Dominican Republic. You know, there's a lot of problems. You know, a person gets saved, then he becomes a mass murderer. You know, he was in my church, and then, you know, my church gets bad reputation on TV. And so, you know, it's okay, it's okay, you know. I can survive everything because I'm living my passion, you know. I'm still happy on the inside, you know. So, what, what is going to make you happy all your life. Think about this. What will you do that will, if, if money was not a problem, if wisdom was not a problem, if, if you have no limitations, what will be you most happy with? Just don't tell me, you know, I want to be on the beach in Hawaii, drink coconut, and have beautiful girls serve me. You know, that's I'm not talking about this, you know. I'm talking about the call of God, you know. Because believe me, even that would not make you happy. Solomon had thousand wives the most rich king, and was not happy. He became idol worshiper. He was worshiping other gods. Very miserable. So, like, talking about the passion that God put in you. Are you writing something down? Just imagine what is you, what is the thing that makes you the most alive? What would you be the most happy doing? What would make you alive? And don't, don't show this paper to anybody. This is just for you. Don't show it to your wife. Don't ask anybody for opinions. This is not going to find your passions. You need to be totally free. Release your heart. Hallelujah. Mm, win the red numbers. <laughs> and, and, and do it with a verb. Every one of this needs to be a verb. You're doing something. You're, you're creating something. You're in action. Okay. Action will make you happy. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. When you come home, you'll have homework. You can do it, maybe not today, it's Lord's Day, Sunday, but on Monday. <laughs> or whatever, you can do it today. Too. But do a homework. You know, arrange your ten passions. Arrange them by priorities. How you do this, you take number one that you wrote with number two. And you say, which one, if I could only have one, which one would it be? One or two? And you go the same... The, if, let's say, it's number one is better than number two. Okay, then number one is better. Then you compare number one with number three. And say, if I can have one or three, which one will I have? Oh, I would like to have three, more than one. Okay, then you compare three with four, and so on. You go to the end of the line, and then you get the best one, yeah? And then you put the best one on number one, 
cross it from this list, put it on the next list, okay, this is number one. Then you have nine left, you do the same process. Okay, which one of these nine is now number one? And that will be number two. Three, four, five. And you will probably find at least three, okay? And then, out of this, create your mission statement. This is who I am, in one sentence, okay? I'll tell you, like, my mission statement hasn't changed since I got saved. I'm apostle called to lead nations to obedience to Christ. That's my call. It's from Book of Romans 1.5. I did a lot of things in between, tried many things, you know, thought, no, no, I'm only evangelist, I'm this and that. But, but I always come back, and my passion test always proves this to me who I am. So everything else I come is number three, number four, number five, okay? Because there are more numbers that complement this call. Okay, let's... Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.